Hello. Welcome to Beauty in the Arts, a podcast where we discuss beauty as the most excellent story of God's love and explore the arts as our witness and participation in that love. I'm your host, Sherry Dragovich. I'm the head of the Beauty and Arts Ministry at St. John Lutheran Church here in Roanoke, Virginia. Welcome to the podcast. Well, here we are at the beginning of the season of Lent. Already, it seems only a couple weeks ago, we were here entering into Advent and celebrating the incarnation and birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And now it's already time for us to remember His suffering and death for our forgiveness of sins and ultimate salvation, remembering as well as our own dust and ashes existence. From dust we were made, and to dust we shall return. Yet by His own life breathed into us, and only by that breath we are saved and live unto eternal life in Him. It is truly the most beautiful and true story ever told. And that's what this next series is going to consider. That is the beauty of storytelling, in particular the beauty of a particular story, a micro story, if you will, within God's greater story, and the art of how that micro story is told that can help us to witness and hopefully better participate in the story God is crafting of our lives. So what is a story I want us to consider? It's the Old Testament story of Jonah. If you're a member of St. John here in Roanoke and you're listening to this podcast before Wednesday evening's Lenten service on March 1st, then this is your inside scoop for knowing that Pastor Phil's Lenten focus this year will be the book of Jonah. If you're listening after the March 1st midweek service, then hopefully you'll understand why I'm choosing for us to consider Jonah for a Lenten time beauty and the arts series. And as I suggested a minute ago, my approach in our study of Jonah will be from a literary lens, not a doctrinal or a theological view, at least not directly. We will be asking questions about Jonah as a story first. What kind of story is Jonah? What is its structure? How are its plot points organized? Who are the characters of the story? What's the story's climax? What are some of the literary elements of this story? And finally, with each of these questions above, we ask, how do these things contribute to the overall telling and meaning of the story? And the major themes or big ideas being expressed through this particular artifact of storytelling If there is theological and doctrinal issues to be explored or discovered, this is where it will happen. But let's not jump ahead of the process. I mean, we may think we may all understand the takeaways from Jonah, especially if it's a story we've been hearing since we were children. And maybe in the end, those takeaways will remain. But wouldn't it be wonderful if they were given greater depth of meaning, new dimension and color of understanding? Wouldn't it be awesome if for the first time those takeaways became the difference between experiencing a live musical performance versus hearing the same songs in your car radio on the way to work? How differently might we then live? And so with the hopes and expectations that Jonah will become a live stage performance where we may actually find ourselves as actors on that stage versus reading the script from the comfort of our favorite chair at home, I say... Let's dig into Jonah this Lenten season in this literary way and see what the Holy Spirit reveals, particularly as those of us at St. John 
sit together and listen to what the Lord would have us learn from Jonah's story through Pastor Phil's midweek service. I am really excited for what might transpire as we engage in this alongside learning approach. So with that in mind, this week's episode is going to be an overview of sorts. I want to set the stage for the story and give us several things to have rolling around in our minds as we study Jonah in this way. I also don't want to get ahead of Pastor Phil in his preaching on Jonah. Now, some of what I mention here you may have heard of before, maybe through your own biblical studying, but especially if you're a member of St. John and were part of the Sunday school class I co-taught back in 2021 on the theology of beauty. If you recall, we studied beauty's story by the way of the Lord's Prayer, structuring each part of the prayer as plot points telling beauty's ultimate story. Within the part of the prayer, thy will be done, we actually looked at the story of Jonah and mapped his story into the greater story that true beauty is telling. That was a really fun class. I hope we can come back to it again someday. Maybe we'll do that here on the podcast. Anyway, back to the big stick literary elements of Jonah. To begin, Jonah as a literary work is a work of satire. What's satire? Merriam-Webster defines satire as one, a literary work holding up human vices and follies to ridicule or scorn, or two, trenchant, meaning sharply perceptive, penetrating wit, irony or sarcasm used to expose and discredit vice or folly. Now, if that sounds a little obscure or abstract, don't worry. We'll try and flesh it out as we go along. Maybe we'll even become better able to, uh, better able to recognize when satire is being used in other literary works as well. Satire is the overall style of the book of Jonah, but there are other literary devices used in Jonah's storytelling as well. It has irony, humor, hyperbole, and merism. Mm, there's a word. This is a Greek-originated word meaning divided, a dichotomized pair that explains a whole. So an example of this would be the common phrase, young and old alike. So taking contrasting words and putting them together to express completeness. I think our word juxtaposition could rhyme here a little. Even if it isn't the exact same meaning, it still has the same undertones. Uh, Another example that comes to my mind uh, from a Christian arts conference I recently attended in Lancaster, PA. One of the keynote speakers, Malcolm Geit, who happens to be one of my favorite poets and also who writes quite convincingly on imagination and meaning making in our Christian faith. He spoke quite beautifully on what happens when we put the words ordinary and saint together, which was the theme of this year's conference. There is a kind of wholeness that is made from these two otherwise dichotomized words. Okay, so Jonah is full of these literary devices, and we'll be exploring these as we go, and then asking the question, how do these things work to give greater meaning to the story? In other words, we're always being curious as we read. Why did the author choose to use these elements to tell the story? What is he up to here? And is it effective? If so... In what ways? All right, let's move on. 
So Jonah, we said, has uh, is satirical, and it has all of these other elements in it of literary uh, devices. It's also a symmetrical narrative. What does this mean? Well, we'll explore this more as we go along. And though it is harder to recognize going chapter to chapter, so I do recommend you read through Jonah in its entirety once before going back to study its parts. Essentially, in a symmetrical narrative, there is a mirroring happening in the action or movement of the story as it goes along. You might also connect these movements to action points within the narrative. The two aren't exactly the same, but they are closely related. They rhyme with one another. You need action to move the story forward. And so in Jonah, these action points mirror one another. And though this symmetry is happening throughout the narrative, the story is still moving forward to a single culminating event or big idea. If you think about it, if it didn't, that is, if every action in the story was symmetrical to an action prior to it, then the story wouldn't go anywhere. It would simply be a series of reflective actions, like a house without a peaking roofline. It wouldn't have a pleasing completeness to it. And isn't that an interesting word to use? completeness. In fact, Jonah's narrative has seven movements to it, three that are mirroring one another and one culminating big idea. Speaking of, just as Jonah has a symmetrical narrative structure, it is also mirroring several biblical stories that come before it. Not only is it mirroring or mimicking the symmetry of these stories, one big one in particular, It's having a conversation with these stories, both in how it's structured and also the elements within the stories. We've talked about this before. Do you remember what we call it when a story seems to be riffing off of another story that has come before? We discussed this in one of our Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe episodes from our first podcast series. In the great halls of literary study, this is called intertextuality. But if you only remember this idea of stories having a conversation with stories that have gone before, I think that's really getting to the heart of the matter. Not only is the author of Jonah having conversations with stories that have come before it, but I think we'll find that later authors in the Bible are having conversations with Jonah. Intertextuality is one of my favorite literary things to consider. And so I'm really looking forward to what we might learn as we explore the conversations Jonah is having with other stories and later biblical stories are having with Jonah. Well, that's a lot, I think, to take in, and that's plenty to consider for now. In a quick review, we know we've just learned Jonah is a work of satire. It also contains literary elements of irony, humor, hyperbole, sarcasm, and merism. And there may be more that we discover as we go. Jonah's narrative style is symmetrical. Its movements mirror one another, and yet these mirrored actions are moving the story forward to a culminating point. Jonah contains seven movements. Its narrative style mirrors several Old Testament stories that have gone before it. This is part of what makes Jonah chock full of elements of intertextuality meaning it's riffing off of and having conversations with those stories that have gone before. All of these things are making meaning in Jonah. This is what I'm excited to explore. And so we're going to explore how those later biblical authors also are having conversations with Jonah to help them make meaning and express the stories they are telling in their fullest sense.
Okay, gosh, I hope you're as excited as I am for this deep dive into the literary side of Jonah. I am also so hopeful that by exploring Jonah for its magnificence in storytelling and immersing ourselves in the story itself, we'll find, as C.S. Lewis submits only beautiful literature can do, that we are sneaking past those watchful dragons of Christian duty and obligation, though you know those oughts, shoulds, and supposed tos, and instead discovering the real potency, the true treasure and meaning of Christ-like love. So until next time, read the story of Jonah in its entirety. I'll be basing our reading primarily from the ESV translation. However, don't be surprised if we look at other translations along the way. And also, if you're a local Roanoke resident and a St. John member or a St. John member, attend the midweek Lent services at St. John. They happen every Wednesday evening at 630 during the season of Lent. Child care is provided in case you want to come, but you're worried about what to do with your littles. And now, until we meet again here on Beauty in the Arts, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the light of His glory shine upon your dust-like life. May our Lord be gracious to breathe His life into you, giving you His forgiveness and salvation, His rest and His shalom a whole and perfect peace. Amen.